Well, take out your Bibles if you have them out and turn to 1 John chapter 3. Uh, let me remind you, I think I have every, every sermon this series, remind you of how John writes because it's so key to understanding his book. Remember, John's not a linear writer, point A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3. Rather, in this book of 1 John, really there's three major concepts and he throws them into his book like throwing a rock into a pond. And he lets the ripples of that concept you know, go out from there and they interchange and intersect with each other as we're going to see later on this evening. Uh, we've looked at, at the first two of these rocks that he's thrown into, these theological concepts. We looked at obedience you know, the call to walk in the light instead of darkness. And we looked at that, that truth, that, that, that um, concept of truth, right? Discern what's true, remember what's true, and hold on spiritually to what's true. And so you see um, obedience and truth intersecting each other. And tonight, we get the third major theological truth, and it's love. Love is going to intersect all of these as well. And we're going to read about it from 1 John chapter 3. Again, you're going to want to keep your Bibles open because we're going to jump around to a a couple other passages as well. Let's read verses 11 through 24 of 1 John chapter 3. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. Now, I brought with me this evening one of these dollar coins. Remember the dollar coins that never seem to make it? They keep trying about every decade to print dollar coins. They want to get rid of, get rid of paper. And I, I've been holding on to this one for a while, and I'm willing to give it away to someone. Since you're in the front row, do you want a dollar, Dale? There's no real trick here. What's on the front? Oh, here's your test. The one lady on the front of a coin. Anybody know? Sacagawea on the back? An eagle. Two 
very different things, right? Hardly related at all. So here's the one thing I want you to do with that coin. Since they're so different and they're so unrelated, they really, some people say they don't belong together. So why don't you split that coin in two right down the edge so that those two pictures are separated and pulled apart. You can do it, right? You can have your special laser beam. All right, I'll let you keep it together. Because if, even, even if you could split those two, two very different things, even if you could split them apart, you wouldn't want to. Because what, what store would then accept it? It would lose all of its value if you pulled the two things apart, right? So they're very different, but they're made to be together. They're two sides to one coin. The two sides, as different as they are, come together to make the whole thing. And you can't have one without the other. One without the other is useless. Okay, John makes it clear to us here in 1 John chapter 3 that just like that coin there, a life of faithfulness to God that we're all called to has two different sides of love that are very, very different, and yet both are vital. Right, John calls all of his readers, including us here today, to obedience and truth, and now he calls us to love. And he says, and he says, on one side, I got another one here. On one side of this coin, on one side of this coin is our love for God. Okay, as followers of God, we need to have hearts that are truly in love with the one who saved us, with the one who loves us. So when he calls us to love, yes, on one side of this coin, we are all out in love with God. And then John says, on the other side of this coin, we need to be all out in love with each other, with God's people. And he says, two sides to one coin. You can't have one without the other. You know, really, that two sides to one coin, God himself made that clear on Mount Sinai in the Old Testament, right? At Mount Sinai, he gave the Ten Commandments. And one through four are one side of the coin. One through four of the Ten Commandments are all about how to love God. Look at them. They're all dedicated. Here's how you serve God. Here's how you love God. And, ver- and commands five through 10 are all about, and here's how you love each other. And then in the New Testament, remember when, when they try and trick Jesus and they say, what's the most important commandment? Um, they're trying to trick him and, and he, Jesus can't narrow it down to one. Did you notice that? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's one side of the coin. And flip it over, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love his people. And God makes it clear through John that you can't be a Christian without loving your fellow believers. Did you catch that? You you can't be a Christian without loving your fellow believers. And it sounds awfully harsh, doesn't it? John puts it puts it pretty harshly for us. I mean, look at what we just read. In fact, go back to a couple of weeks ago. Look at First John two nine through eleven. You want to talk about? Pretty clear-cut, pretty harsh. Listen to this. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there's nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. Notice here we have the ripples of the pond coming together. That's a section about walking in the light, about obedience and and, and love. The love ripple comes in there again. 
Hating someone else, John says, is clear evidence that you're walking in the darkness. A heart of love for other people is clear evidence that you're walking in the light, that you're being obedient to God. And in verse 9 there, he, he exposes our deception. Right? He says, too many of us claim to be in the light. We're loving and we're kind whenever people are looking at us and see us. We speak all the right words, but when no one's looking or, or in our hearts where nobody can see, we're filled with hatred. shows itself in jealousy towards each other. Vengeance for wrongs done to us. Bitterness that we hold on to. Grudges that we don't let go of. Or finding that secret rejoicing when other people fail. It's in there. And that speaks, John says, profoundly about our faith. How we love each other, he says, reveals how much or how little faith we have. Because you can't love God, he says, if you don't love the people around you. Turn forward to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 7. This is really the ultimate love chapter in the Bible. Whenever we, we want to go to a chapter on love, we turn to 1 Corinthians 13, right? That's the, the wedding chapter that you put on a nice plaque. But this chapter, 1 John 4, is really all about love. This is the true love chapter in Scripture. And there are words that challenge our faith profoundly. Listen to what he says, what John writes, starting at verse 7. We're going to read all the way through the end of the chapter. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. And did you notice where John ends up there? Pretty striking, pretty bold, pretty definitive statements there, isn't it? If anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, he's a liar. Anyone who does not love his brother cannot love God. Whoever loves God must love his brother. Notice it doesn't say 
If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's got some spiritual growing up to do. No, it says he's a liar. And it doesn't say anyone who does not love his brother must not love God enough. No, it says he cannot love God. And it doesn't say whoever loves God should also love his brother. No, it says must love his brother. There are two sides to the same coin. You can't have one without the other. And if you only have one, then what you have is worthless, John is saying. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. That's everybody in this room. That's everybody who is here this morning in the room out there. I mean, look around at our community. Our community is so diverse. Old, young, male, female. There's people who love the things you love and people who can't stand the things that, that you love. And God says, all of us, as different as we are, we must love each other. Not just accept them, not just put up with them, but truly love them. Why is this love so important to our faith? I mean, it sure seems like this kind of love for each other, for everybody in the family of God, seems like a pretty radically high standard. There's some pretty unlovable people, myself included, right? And in our individualized society, faith is so often seen as just something between me and God, right? How often don't we hear about having a personal relationship with Jesus, right? Like it's all about me. I don't need the rest of you in my faith. It's just, it's just me and God. That's all that really matters and everything else is secondary, right? Wrong. John bursts that egotistical spiritual bubble pretty defiantly here. God is love, and if we've been saved by God, if we are being transformed by God, if Jesus, his son, is alive in us, then we will love the people around us in the same way that God loves us, in the same way that God loves them. With a love that's profound and free and sacrificial and radical. We can't be loving God if we aren't loving each other. What does that kind of love look like? Well, John shows us. Look back at chapter 3 with me, that first passage we read. Because John gives us both an illustration of what love for each other doesn't look like and what it should look like. He starts in verse 11. He really reiterates the call to love. He says, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And then he immediately says, do not be like Cain. Right? He He points to the Old Testament life of Cain. Maybe you remember the story. I think most of you do of of the two brothers back in the Old Testament, Cain and Abel, right? And when it came time for, for Cain and Abel to bring their offerings to God, one was a shepherd and one was a farmer. They, they came together and they both brought their gifts to God and, and Abel brought his best lamb from his flock and offered it to God with a joyful heart of gratitude. And Cain on the other side brought brought some leftovers from his field and he gave it reluctantly out of duty. And God made it clear that he was pleased with Abel's offering and he was not pleased with Cain's. And what did Cain do? Did Cain repent, say, I'm sorry, and bring the right offering? No, he sat back and he stewed and he got angry at his brother, at his brother's righteousness. 
and he let it bubble up inside him, that, that anger and that frustration that turned to hatred till finally he lured his brother out to the back 40 in the field and he killed him. And here John holds that story up as a warning for us. He says, do you want to know what love isn't? Look at Cain. And it isn't just a warning that we shouldn't murder people. Right? The, the murder is just the end result of the loveless thoughts and the loveless feelings and the loveless attitudes and the loveless choices that Cain made. Right? His guilt began with a seed of selfishness and greed. Right? And that, that seed of selfishness and greed was planted in an attitude of, of jealousy and envy. And, and that seed then grew in a heart of bitterness and And that plant blossomed into anger that was fierce enough then to kill. And so John tells us in verse 15, that this story isn't first of all about murder. It's about hatred. It's about choosing not to love God and the people around you. When we fail to love, whether that failure comes in outright hatred or whether that failure comes in, in benign neglect. When we fail to love, like Cain, we steal life away from the people around us. We put out their light, he says in chapter 2, so that our darkness won't seem so dark. That's what Cain was trying to do. He wasn't trying to get rid of the darkness in his life. He thought, if I, instead of changing my own life, if I can just get rid of the light in my brother's life, then I won't seem so dark. We steal life away when we refuse to love. And yet, on the other side of the coin, John says, when we learn to live in love for each other, then we end up giving life to each other. So what we learn from the second illustration that John gives us in verses 16 through 20. Cain, on one hand, demonstrates what love is not, and it's Jesus that John holds up that teaches us what love is. Right? That section starts with the words, this is how we know what love is. Look at Jesus, he says, who laid down his life so that we might have life. Love doesn't steal life away. Love gives life away. Instead of tearing somebody else down so that you will be built up, love builds someone else up, even if it's at our own expense. Instead of putting out their light so that you don't seem so dark, love love lets them shine even brighter. In his gospel, Jesus himself gives us that same measuring stick of love. Remember, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than that he laid down his life for his friends. Gives life away. There's the high standard of love by which God measures our faith. Will we lay down our lives for the people that God has placed all around us? That's a huge question. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of like my life. It means quite a bit to me. I'd like to think that, that in the moment of crisis, when push comes to shove, that I would have the courage... And that I would be willing to sacrifice even my life to save others, right? I, I would hope so. I'd hope that, 
that if there was a war going on, I'd jump on that grenade like so many soldiers have done. I would hope that, that I would dive into that frigid water to save someone who's drowning. I would hope that, you know, going back to 9-11, I'd be one of the people who on the plane who say, let's roll and try to pull that plane back. I would hope that I'd be willing to lay down my life. But how do I know? I, I haven't been in that moment. How do you know if you'd be willing to lay down your life for someone? Well, there is a way to know. We know by the small sacrifices that we're willing to make right now out of love. You see, God does not always demand that his people offer themselves in sacrifice in one huge event, one huge sacrifice. Most often he calls people like you and me to offer ourselves daily, part by part, piece by piece, bit by bit, in lives that are constant sacrifice, constant love, giving ourselves away to others. And honestly, that can be a lot more difficult, can't it? That doesn't usually win you you awards and make you a hero. And yet that's the way God designed it to be. Right, Ken? It may be easy to... I don't know if it's easy or not, but it may be heroic to give your life away all in one fell swoop. But, but can we give again and again and again and again and again in the name of love? Can we give our time day after day, week after week, year after year in Jesus' name to someone who needs our presence? Can we see someone in need when we see them? Will we give out of our hard-earned money, not just once, but maybe again and again and again, to bring them relief and to get them back on their feet again. When we know of a need, when we hear it, do we meet that need not just once, but long-term and truly make a difference? Are we willing to make that sacrifice? Do we love that much? Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So when it comes to loving each other and the question isn't, would, would I do that? Would I make that sacrifice? The question is, am I doing that? Am I making that sacrifice right now? You know, John knows us pretty well. I think he must not be too different from us. Because he addresses then our greatest temptation in verse 18. And he says, dear friends, let us not love with words or tongue, but let us love with action." And in truth. Love isn't something we do with our mouths. It's something we do with our hands. It's something we do with our feet. We can tell our spouse or our children or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a fellow church member. We can tell them every day that we love them. But if those words are not proven in life-giving actions of love, then we haven't really loved them, have we? It's just empty words. Then our words are, let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Then our words are noisy gongs, clanging cymbals, meaningless noise. As we leave to enter into our lives again, we need to keep 1 John 4, 7 and 8 in mind. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Two sides 
one coin. It's a package deal. Our love for God is proved in our love for each other. And there's plenty of times in my life where I prove that I'm really not loving God. I'm not loving his people. The depth and vitality of our faith, our very faith, our relationship with God, the depth and vitality of our faith is demonstrated in the depth and vitality of our love for the people of God. And Jesus modeled for us what our love should look like. Our love for him and our love for each other. Greater love is no one than this. And he laid down his life for his friends. It's exactly what Jesus did. And that's what in faith we now do day by day, moment by moment, as we love like him. One coin, two sides. Can't have one without the other. Love God, love his people. Would you pray with me? Father God, I ask that you would remind us often this week of both sides of this love coin. Maybe every time we pick up a quarter or a penny, we reach into our pocket or our purse this week and and we handle a coin, heads and tails. Maybe use that as a reminder for us to look around at that moment and to see the people that you have asked us to love in your name. Challenge us, Father, to evaluate our relationships and see where we are stealing life away from people. Where we are, our anger, our hatred, our, our lovelessness is stealing their life. And may we be life givers and light bringers to the people you have, that you have put into our lives. Father, remind us often.